Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we're going to talk about how to make your data actionable, how to get better visibility, how to really know your numbers so you can make better decisions and so you can grow and so you can hit profitability targets and so you can help agencies like ours know how to better market or help your internal team know how to market. And so this is one of my favorite topics. I think this is super, super important. I think it's one of those topics that all of you would agree is important as well, but you're maybe not giving this the time and attention it needs. Hey, Brett Curry here. I've got an important question for you. Where will your next big idea come from? Where will your next big breakthrough come from? Or where will your next little tweak or little improvement come from? Have a suggestion. Check out our guides and resources at omgcommerce.com. Are you looking to enhance your YouTube ads game? We have two of the best YouTube ad resources that are completely free, our YouTube ad examples and templates guide, and our guide to getting authentic video customer testimonials. But it doesn't stop there. We also have guides on how to maximize sponsor brand video on Amazon and Amazon DSP and Google Shopping and a variety of other things. So get these free guides Give them to your team, even share them with your agency. Just take advantage of these resources and up your game. Let OMG Commerce help. And now, back to the show. I am bringing on, and I'm delighted to welcome to the show, the CEO and co-founder of Dacity. And he is a wizard of data and analytics, and they've got an amazing tool and platform they've built uh, to help with data and analytics as well. And so with that, uh, Dan, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Brett. Thanks very much and for having us on board. We're super excited to be part of the podcast. Yeah, really excited to have you here. You know, I got to meet one of your other team members, uh, Jeremy, uh, who's actually on the podcast as well. And, and after I saw a little bit of what you guys are doing, I was blown away. And so then that led to you and I chatting. And they're like, hey, let's let's geek out about data. Let's let's do a let's do a podcast. And so we will nerd out a little bit on this podcast. We'll also make sure this is actionable and useful and practical. So if you are one of those people that, hey, numbers make you squeamish, maybe you did not like math in school, um, I think you like the numbers as it pertains to your money. And so uh, we'll, we'll be making this very useful. So uh, Dan, give us a quick background, like 30-second background on you. How did you get to this place in your career. And then let's talk a little bit about what Dacity is. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that later as well. And then we'll dig into some hot topics here. Yeah, absolutely, Brett. So I started off uh, working in financial services and then made a jump into e-commerce in kind of the mid-2000s, working for a really large gifting brand called ProFlowers, uh, helping them with their customer analytics. And they got bought by a company called FTD, and uh, what was interesting is I had a lot of friends that ended up leaving and they went to some really cool brands like Movement Watches and Rothy's and Kapari. And they... And several of those companies, yeah. Right. And they were all on this platform at the time I hadn't heard of, Shopify, which we all know now, which was, which is, you know, my, which is a great platform to be on if you're an e-commerce brand. One of the challenges they had was just getting access to their data. And so they said, hey, Dan, can you help me? Can you help me get rich data like what we had at ProFlowers to make really good business decisions? And uh, so 
started cobbling together a couple of things, realized that I kept redoing the same thing. Some of the tools that we were using didn't really work that well. And so that's how Dacity was founded. So launched the business really to help these brands and a lot more brands today, whether you're small. So we power brands that are over a billion. We power brands that are less than a million. Um, just help them get access to all this data and make really smart, faster decisions. I love it. And I think this really comes down to, to one, getting accurate data, right? Understanding what you're looking at, having that clear visibility, but then also focusing on the right things. So you can take action and do things that will actually move the needle and, and make an improvement. And so I'm really excited to dive in. We have, we have several topics that are super important. I want to kind of, I'm going to give like an offline, uh, off, uh, you know, offline example real quick to maybe frame this. Um, it's going to seem weird, but I think it totally relates. Uh, so we're, we're building a new deck at our house. And it's a, it's a good-sized deck. It's got steel columns and brick and cedar, and it's about 800 square feet. It's, it's pretty large. And, and so anyway, I'm you know, having fun with this project. I'm not doing any of it. I'm hiring it all out. So that's why it's structurally sound, because uh, I'm not a handyman or a builder. But I was in my basement about a week ago doing a workout. You know, I was laying down on a mat doing abs and kind of hating life. But from that perspective, I could see through the window up on the bottom of the deck, and I noticed something. I noticed there was something stuck under there that needed to be fixed, right? So anyway, we took care of it. It was not a big deal. It was just one of those reminders of if I'd just been going about my business and walking around, I never would have seen this. But because I had this unique perspective and unique angle, I clearly saw a problem and we fixed it, right? And so that was not, you know, it didn't have a huge bearing on my, on my life, but it was a great reminder that you got to get the right visibility, right? And there's if you're just kind of walking around doing your thing, handling the day-to-day without the right visibility, you're missing things. And you're potentially missing really important things. And so uh, I'm excited to dive into this, this topic. Let's maybe talk first about making sure your data is reporting correctly, right? Because you get visibility, but you have visibility in the wrong data. You're taking action on the wrong data than that. then that's a problem, right? So how do we make sure that our reporting is accurate? Yeah, it's a great question, Brett. You know, when brands are starting, you there's a couple of basics that everybody does. It's you, you have your e-commerce platform and it's pretty hard to mess up things on your e-commerce platform. But then you have these other things that you're, that you're maybe doing, like setting up Google Analytics, setting up your Facebook, setting up your Google Ads. Um, you know, those are kind of the core for most of us. And one of the first and foremost ones that I have to talk about is just Google Analytics. I have yet to come across a merchant that properly set up their Google Analytics on day one. And it's just because when you think of Google, they are set, they give you the base default is set up for any website, whether you're a WordPress site or on Shopify or whatever. So if you actually go look at things like what are my channel, what is my channel mapping? you're probably spending money on Facebook. And if you actually looked at Facebook, they call them UTM parameters. So go learn about UTMs. You'll see that a lot of Facebook goes to other. And yet you're probably spending money because a lot of Facebook traffic is actually people posting and sharing with each other. And then there's this ad part. And so it's really important to go in and sort of, number one thing I say is, go look at your Google Analytics. Have you set up your channel mapping correctly? Have you set up your, um, your referral? The other piece that we see a lot is, 
you know, now, especially in the Shopify ecosystem, you got this kind of, they've got that cool shop app. Well, you're seeing people with referral saying, my, my conversion on referral is like 80%. It's, yeah, because they got sent to shop where they paid for it and then it came back. And so it thinks that this traffic's coming from shop from the shop app within Shopify and you're, you're killing it. And in reality, it's like, you, you just messed up your data. Yeah. And yeah. We see that a lot with PayPal too. And PayPal has yes. you know, been around a long time, but you know, if things are not set up properly, if you don't have referral exclusions in place, you could look at a report in Google analytics and be, and be thinking, Oh, well, uh, PayPal is the number one driver of traffic that converts to our site. Oh, they're not. They're just, processing the transaction, but because someone, you know, logs into PayPal, so they leave during checkout, and then they come back. If things aren't set up properly, Google's going to count that as a traffic source when it's not, it's just part of the checkout process. Exactly. So number one thing I'd say to everybody, just go make sure your Google analytics is set up. Cause that's the one place where if you're a brand new store, that's just starting out, you got to get comfortable with that to understand what's going on with your business. Yep. And so look at things like a referral exclusions, turn on enhanced e-commerce, uh, some, some of those basic functionalities in Google Analytics, because it is, it is exceptionally important. Uh, but I think people are either underutilizing it or they're not looking at it enough to notice if there are discrepancies and issues and things like that. So uh, let's talk about another topic that we, we talked about kind of as we were prepping. Um, should we use session data? or user data and why? And, and probably would be good if you explain the difference between the two uh, as we yeah. do this. Uh, I'm a big proponent of looking at sessions. And if you're ever, and even for those more advanced merchants out there that are starting to think about building a model that might sort of, uh, or a forecast that's going to say, this is the amount of traffic that I think I'm going to get, is to always look at sessions. And the real difference, the difference between a user and a session a session is a single visit within a 30-minute time period. So if you leave the site 30 minutes later, you come back to the site, it gets tagged as another session. That's kind of the default Google Analytics. You can go and adjust that if you want. A user is like a specific device. So here's where how you report gets really wonky. And, and that's a really interesting distinction because most people think of user as an individual person, but... It, it can't be it's, that because Google doesn't be really know, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's your device. So if I'm on my phone and I come to, I click on a Facebook ad and I open up and it opens up in say Google and I go to the website, that's going to be one user in one session. And then let's say I close my browser, you know, I get in the car, I go to work, whatever, get there. Then I open up my browser and I say, oh yeah, I wanted to go buy that thing. So I go back to the site again. This, so that first one, I would have come in from Facebook. That second one, I would have been direct. Now, if I go in and look at my data, I had two sessions and it was Dan is the same person, the same device. Same device. If yeah. I go Dan's in, device. Dan's device. If I go look at my, how many users did I have and how many sessions did I have with no channel mapping in Google Analytics, it's going to tell me there are two sessions and one user. But now if I go and bring in the dimension of, I want to know how many users and sessions by channel, I came to that site, those two sessions came from different channels. So it's going to tell me one session and one user for Facebook and one session and one user for direct. So I'm going to think that I had two users if I summed that all up. And I didn't. 
And so the problem with users is that user number is going to change depending upon how you're slicing and dicing that data, whereas the session data will always add up. The sums are always going to be the same. And that's so. And one of the biggest challenges that I see across many merchants is, you know, the, well, whose data is right? Well, I pulled this and no, my number is right. We got this many users yesterday. And Brett's telling me, you know, we had this many users yesterday. And then we get into an argument about who's, who number of users were the, were, was right. And it's because we pulled the data differently. And so you want to find those metrics that are consistent. And that's for me why I always say use sessions. Yep. Because no matter how you slice and dice it, the number of sessions doesn't change, but everything else does. Yeah, and I love that because you know the the data only becomes meaningful and actionable if you slice and dice it, if you look at it by channel or by source medium or whatever. And so I would agree with you that that session data is is most important there. And so and, and one one of the things that I think is important too to understand about data is you know, we're talking about getting accurate data and this data is wrong or that data is right or whatever. I think what's also really important to understand and discuss is there's not necessarily right or wrong data. It's just understanding what is the data. Like, what's the definition of this metric? Because I think a lot of times people say, oh, well, that, that's wrong. Well, it's not wrong. It's just you don't understand what, what, how that's being measured, uh, right? What, what that metric actually is. And, and so I think, I think that, that's important, too, to understand what's being measured. Um, and so... I think that leads into the next point pretty well yeah. is, is looking at cost per order versus cost per acquisition and kind of how those are defined and how thinking about that differently might be important. So you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah. You know, it's, you're so right about it's the definition and it is something where we take it on here at Stassi, something that we need to do, which is how do we educate people around the specific definition of a metric? And it's, because it's very scary to me. And this, this one is one that I'm super passionate about is mm-hmm. how an entire industry can get something wrong. So everybody talks about Facebook CPAs. And, you know, they talk about it as cost per acquisition. And, it, and, and it's, for me, one of the greatest, like, ways of, of helping educate everybody the wrong value because a cost per acquisition should be the cost to acquire a customer. And that is the first order. So it's the first order because when you think about cost per acquisition, you're trying to understand what did it cost for me to acquire a customer? And then I usually think about it as lifetime value. What Facebook says is cost per orders. They have no idea cost per acquisition. It's really a definition for them around cost to acquire an order. It's really what I would call a cost per order or a CPO. And that's because Facebook has no idea if the order that they're that they're counting was the first order, the fifth order, or the tenth order. So what they've done is we all knew that, oh, we've got to really think about this CPA cost and we want to keep that low. And we combine that with our with our lifetime value to kind of understand how profitable our customers are. And they went and kind of hijacked the term and said, well, every order is going to be a cost to acquire a customer because you should be so thankful that we've helped you to acquire a customer. Uh, And so, yes. So for me, you have to be clear around when you're talking about a cost per acquisition, it's the first order. When you're talking about all orders, it's a cost per order. And those can be wildly different and you probably want them to be wildly different. You want them to be different. Yeah, you should, right? I mean, especially if you're in a... 
a business where there are repeat orders and where there's you know, substantial lifetime value, uh, you know, you're going to probably attribute a different value to that true cost per acquisition, the cost to acquire a new customer versus the cost for a repeat sale. And, you know, sophisticated marketers will, will typically look at, hey, here's my top of funnel, you know, I'll just use CPA because everybody uses CPA. So forgive me, Dan. Uh, but, you know, here's our CPA for top of funnel. Here's the CPO for, uh, or CPA or CPO for, for remarketing or for reorders. And those numbers should be different, right? Because you've already paid to get that customer once. So not that you shouldn't have to pay to get them to order again, but you should probably pay a different rate. Absolutely. I love looking at what my channel mix is on first order versus repeat because you've already bought the customer. Now, hopefully they're coming in through your email, your SMS or like other stuff because they've learned about you versus you paying to acquire, to pay that second order yep. coming yep. through something like Facebook. Yep. Yeah, because it could be a real bummer. And, you know, we, we do a lot with YouTube and YouTube is, is largely top of funnel, just like Facebook is. And, and so, yeah, maybe we're willing to pay 50 or 100 bucks to get a new customer, depending on what the business is. But I probably don't want to pay 100 bucks to get them to buy again, right? I'd rather just hit them up with email or text or, or a low-cost remarketing ad or something. And, and uh, you know, that, that's where we can really make the numbers make sense. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about LTV, right? So lifetime value. And this is one of those numbers. When I, I remember when I first heard about this, I, was, I think I was listening to like... A, Jay Abraham uh, training way back when I was in college. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. This is, this is easy. Like this is, the, this is the metric. And then I started talking to business owners. And at this time, it was, it was uh, more brick and mortar stores. But nobody knew. Like nobody knew. Like they could guess, but nobody really knew their lifetime value. And now in the e-commerce world, and I'm talking to some pretty sophisticated marketers and some great brands. And people sort of know, but not really. Like it, it's... it's uh, it, and I think a lot of people have different definitions too. So talk about how you look at LTV, how you calculate it, and any advice around LTV. Yeah. So LTV, it's complicated. Um, mm -hmm. And it's mostly because it's just really hard to get the data around, around LTV. It's not something that, that most e-com platforms give you out of box. You have to download all your orders, uh, all your order data at the order level. So it starts to become a mess in trying to do in a spreadsheet. And you need to link that the order data to a customer. Really, the definition of lifetime value is your gross margin. You either do it on a gross margin or a contribution margin. We'll kind of come back to those in a sec. But you take that and you divide it by the number of customers. And that's your lifetime value. What's really important, though, is you have to... You can't take it on everybody. Your idea of a lifetime value is you need to do it by what's called a cohort. And a cohort is just a group of customers. So a lot of times what people will do is they'll want to take a quarter or a year. How do my 2017 customers perform to my 2018 customers? And the other really important thing is you can't just do it as a straight up number. When you're thinking about things like a time period, you actually, what you need to do is essentially plot it over, take it months. Like how many customers did I acquire in 2017? What was their revenue in their first month? What was their revenue in their second month of being a customer? And that's really important because, you know, working with a current merchant today, it's like we're comparing their 2018 to 2019. Well, if I'm a 2019 customer that I was acquired in January, there's nobody in that group in August that is, you know, now being in, it just finished August of 2020. So the oldest customer has only been around for 20 months. 
So my 2018 revenue for somebody that was generated in January of 2018, they've been around for 30, 20 plus 12, right? 32 months. And so I need to make sure that I can only, that I only compare through month 20 to make it an apples to apples comparison. So you've got to kind of basically go take those numbers. You take your sales numbers by month. You take your total number of customers in that cohort and you basically make that division and then you just add it up and you draw a graph. You just draw a graph and you'll get a curve and you'll get to see how your revenue over time is changing. And then that's what you like to look at is usually a, a cohort by, by year as an example to look at how, how our customer base is spending and how valuable they are on a, on a year-over-year basis. Yeah. The, the, so for me, I kind of generally look at it in two ways. I look at quarter by quarter. So I like to look at quarter and that's just a personal preference because that's a smaller group. I can see sort of the comparisons. And I know that you know, for most of us, we know like holiday buyers are generally not as good as buyers in, at the rest of the year because they're coming in on promo. They're, you know, maybe buying as a gift. They're, they're doing that kind of thing. So I like to kind of isolate those groups. And so I like to see how does holiday over holiday perform because those customers are really important. Am I doing a good job of like getting those people return? And then I look at everybody else. The other way that I look at it is I love to look at it by channel. So where can I invest? And it goes back to the CPA is where can I invest more because this, because customers that come in from this channel actually perform better over time. And so I should be willing to invest more into that channel to acquire those customers. So those for me are the most two is, do I look at it at the, you know, time period? Hopefully I'm getting better as my, as time goes on, I'm developing better product. I'm, my marketing's getting better. I'm doing better on a retention side. So hopefully year after year, my, my lifetime value is improving. That curve is getting better. And then secondarily, I look at it by channel to really help me make better decisions around where I want to go and adjust my marketing spend. Yeah. And you know, we, we have so few clients that we work with that, that do a breakdown of LTV based on the cohort of the traffic source. Right. So, so most of the, we, we talked to a lot of really smart marketers and really successful brands and businesses, but a lot of them are still looking at, okay, to acquire a new customer, regardless of the channel, we're willing to pay X. Um, to, for a repeat purchase, we're willing to pay Y. But what I think most people don't know is, okay, a, a lead from Facebook, is that worth the same as a lead from YouTube? And is that worth the same as a lead from Google Shopping? Don't know. Like you'd have to look at the numbers, right? It may not be. There may be one channel that the LTV is 10 to 20% higher than other channels. And if you knew that, then you would bump your CPA targets by 10 or 20%. You would spend more. You could be more aggressive and then more successful on that channel. But most people don't see that. And, and I also, I love, I love that distinction you made. I think that's really important too is, yeah, for some businesses, especially if, if um, you're a giftable product, which not all products are giftable, but... Um, you know, then then separating out that holiday traffic, that holiday shopper, because you may find their LTV is lower, which is fine. Holiday is going to be important no matter what. But looking at it and being able to make those decisions based on the real value is so important. Yeah, awesome. So let's say you mentioned contribution margin. I want I want to talk about that real quick because yeah. uh, and actually uh, recommendation everybody listening go back and listen to the episode I did with my buddy Bill D'Alessandro, and Bill is with. Elements Brands. Uh, they own, I think, six or so 
different e-commerce brands. Brilliant marketer. He talks about contribution margin. He says it's the metric to rule all metrics, right? And then you don't want to argue with Billy's a smart guy. But, uh, but, but Dan, talk about contribution margin. Why is it or what is it and why is it so important? Yeah, so, so contribution margin. So a lot of people, you should be able to know your gross margin, which is really just basically what are your sales, uh, your net sales. So you include returns and you basically take out the product cost. And that's a great benchmark because, you know, if you think of, if you think of big publicly traded companies that sell product, you know, uh, uh, consumer products, if you're not above a 60% gross margin, like they are telling you, you have a problem with your business. So you think of that as a great benchmark, right? Like if you don't have that, if you're not above that from a gross margin and you can put skew costs into Shopify now, so it can help you with that, that figure out what that goes So sales is. price, less COGS, less cost of goods sold should cost be... Goods sold. Yep. Should be greater than 60%. And that's a great benchmark. Your contribution margin now takes at that fulfillment and marketing cost. And so that's really important because the only thing left is going to be kind of your overhead. Um, what you're paying for maybe space, for salaries that are kind of not very flexible but you have the ability to adjust what that marketing cost is going to be. And that's why that contribution is margin is so important is you're going to decide, like generally your cogs are kind of fixed. Generally your salaries and that kind of stuff is fixed. And so this is the money, this is the, the, the margin that you can play with to decide, do I need to be driving growth or do I need to be focusing on profitability? And that's kind of, you know, when you're, and and I've it's it's I can't tell you what the right answer is. Right, I've right. Because the the answer is not the same for everybody. Exactly. Right? Yeah, because it's not the same for everybody. And I've and I've had discussions with with some CFOs of larger companies where I argue my argument has been when you're in a emerging sort of space or you're a younger brand, um, and you think there is market opportunity you should be willing to almost go to zero on a contribution margin perspective because your goal is to acquire as many customers as you can and may, and now you need to kind of track that lifetime value in conjunction with it to make sure that they're coming back and they're returning. But you want to go capture land. And then as your business maybe matures, you're going to start to kind of think about, well, how do I reduce that marketing cost? You should be... Your repeat customers should be hopefully coming in to channels that you own. So that marketing cost starts to go down for you to be able to kind of, maybe you won't grow as fast, but you're now really going to ramp up that profitability. And that's how I sort of think about that um, contribution margin. The hard part is it's really freaking difficult to calculate. <laughs> so, because, <laughs> so, you know, even lifetime values, we were talking about sort of that lifetime value and being able to do it by channel. So I can go into my e-commerce platform, I can get my orders, but I don't know where the orders came from. So then I have to go figure out like, how do I go tie an order to my transaction, to what channel that transaction like? Yeah, that data is available in Google, but only through the APIs are you going to be able to get it. So how many of you out there that have your small e-commerce stores know how to program for an API? And then we start getting to contribution margin, which is 
well, how much did I spend on Facebook yesterday and what orders do I attribute to it? And my Google ads, like you're trying to get all this marketing cost. And so if I was trying to do this in a spreadsheet, this is where I just, I'm out, I'm out. You know, it's like, I'm going to walk away. I'm out. It just... My brain hurts. It's just too, too complicated. And so yeah, that's you're, where, you're, you're three cups of coffee and you're scratching exactly. your head. You're, you're eventually just closing Excel and moving and, on. And out. Yeah. So that's for us, like that's where we come in, right? Is that's where it's sort of the dacity sort of comes in. But it's really around, okay, so maybe you don't get to that level of detail, but at least be able to make a guesstimate. So what I can do is instead of knowing exactly, I can say, okay, I have this sales. I'm going to guess that on average, my gross margin is 30%. And then, you know, so say I'm selling something for $100, the product cost is on average 30 bucks, I got $70. And then I just go in and maybe instead of doing it by channel and being very specific, I just go, what did I spend yesterday? And how many orders did I get? Yep. Yep. That gives me a number. That's going to get you way closer than not doing it at all, right? Exactly. It's going to, it's like, it's not perfect. But it's better to have at least that basic number than having nothing at all because it's going to help you understand, am I on the right track or not? Because that's the scary part is you see, is if you're not doing that, then you come back and go, you have this kind of, uh uh-oh moment, you know, a couple of months in like, what happened? I wasn't keeping track of what's going on and you're sort of trying to unravel. And so it's these are these things where just do that every day. You know, yep. just build your spreadsheet, start simple, and just kind of go from there. Yeah, I love that because, you know, occasionally we run into people that, that we, you know, I was talking to an accountant uh, this morning, actually, that, that works with e-commerce businesses, and this came up where we were talking about, hey, you know, there's a group of businesses that are out there that if you were to ask them today, are you, are you on track to be profitable? They'd be like, well... I don't know. We'll wait till tax season. Like, I mean, they wouldn't say that, but that would be the truth. Like, they don't know. They don't know if they're profitable right now. They'll only know when they file their tax return, which is a really scary thing. So, this is the type of reporting that lets you know: Are we headed in the right direction? Are our marketing costs under control? Is that is everything lining up? Are we looking profitable right now? And uh, that's of paramount importance, obviously. So, uh, let's talk about another concept, and this is a concept I think I heard, first heard from my. Friend Drew Sanaki with Nerd Marketing, very, very bright e-commerce entrepreneur and marketer. And uh, that's recency, frequency, and monetary value and creating segments around that. So you, you want to talk about that? How do you... First of all, what is that? And then how do you use it? Yeah, it's... Uh, I love the concept of RFM, what they call RFM, recency, frequency, monetary... And it, and I'm starting to see kind of a resurgence of people thinking about it. You know, it was, all, it it was really big in the direct mail days, um, and it's you know, so this dates me, <laughs> so I'm a little bit older. Uh, but you go back to you know, the '90s when everything was mail before kind of this e-commerce really took off. I worked for a company called Capital One. And at that time, we were 1% of the total mail vo- of the total mail volume in the US. We sent Whoa. so many credit card solicitations. That is crazy. crazy. I mean, that, 1% sounds like a tiny number, but to think that one organization is responsible for 1% of all of mail, holy cow. It was unbelievable. And we use this concept of frequency, recency, frequency, monetary a ton. And so the idea is recency. When was the last time you bought something? When was the last time you bought something? Frequency is how many times has this customer bought something? And monetary is 
there's two ways you can think about monetary. I like to think of it as on average, what is the order value? The, what is your average order value? Some people do it as your total spend. Um, I like it as more of that average because that helps you kind of bucket the value of that customer. And those are really interesting metrics because what they do is it's, you know, you can get extremely complicated and create segmentation systems. But at the end of the day, you can take each of them and think about them in very sort of simple ways. The first one is let's talk about recency. People that buy more, that are more recent are more likely to buy again. Somebody that bought last week is way more likely to purchase again than somebody that bought a year ago. And so depending upon your business, you should just be thinking about things around an active group and a lapsed group. We call them lapsed. Usually for most people, it's did I buy within the last 12 months or is it more than 12 months ago? You may make adjustments on the type of product. Great example is let's say you're in the um, beauty industry, right? Like makeup has a certain shelf life. So you know when somebody bought that makeup. So your active should be people that are, their product hasn't quote expired and those are longer. And by the way, I only learned a couple of months ago that actually beauty products have a shelf life. I didn't know. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that. I wouldn't have really thought a whole I would lot have about known that. that. But, but it's it true. Really, yeah. It was really interesting. And so then you start thinking about, well, how do I sort of market to these groups? As your, as your product is coming to an expiration, you might go, it's time to rebuy. For those that have lapsed, maybe it's, well, they missed it. So now you start thinking about, how do I get them to come back? Maybe it's a, it's a, I need to re-engage with them because they've gone to a competitor product versus early on. It's about how do I re-engage them with, with my brand? So, you know, you're thinking about this recency helps you, really should help you segment how you're talking to the customer. Then on the frequency side, you know, how many times have they bought? It is way harder to get somebody who's bought three or four times from you. They're bought in. Like they love yeah. your brand. Unless you really screw it up, they're probably good. Not, not that you shouldn't still, you know, conduct good email marketing and text messaging and take care of all the little details. But if they've purchased three or four times, they're likely in. Yeah. Yeah. They like your product. And so the biggest challenge is how do you get somebody from a one to a two? Yes. How do you get somebody to make that second purchase? So that's another great way of sort of thinking about my segmentation is take somebody who's only purchased once and there's probably a big difference between how you want to think about now you start combining that recency and frequency. How do I take somebody that's bought once in the last three months versus once in the last, you know, it's been three to six months? And do I want to do something a little bit different? And then I think about kind of that monetary side. So, you know, people that spend a lot on your product versus those that don't. Do you think about offering special promos or a discount? There's this, you know, we all talk about uh, the concept of surprise and delight. You want to give kind of your valuable customers these special things. So that's a great way to sort of think about it is the frequency and the monetary. Your high spenders, high shoppers, and I, and I mean high spenders on average, not overall, those are great. Like those are your super loyal. And so how do you think about them differently? So what's great about RFM is it gives you an easy way to start kind of grouping your customers and making simple sort of segments about how do you communicate with them differently instead of treating everybody the same. I love that. I love that. You know, that really, if you, if you think about the, the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, it really applies in so many things. And if you were to look at the monetary value, you'll probably find that 80% of your total revenue is coming from a group of, you know, 20% of your customers. And so, 
you should maybe speak to them differently. You should maybe make them different offers. You, you should do something special for them. You're going to launch a new program or do something like, like mention that to them first. So understanding monetary value, very, very important. I uh, love that. So RFM, you need to know it. You need to be thinking about it. Uh, segment your customers and then market and communicate accordingly. Let's talk about making data actionable, right? Because um, if we don't, take action on the data, then who cares, right? Then it's just, a, then it's just a, an academic exercise. So how do we get our data in an actionable place and, you know, and ensure that we are you know, able to make good decisions? Yeah, so I love thinking about running any, you know, what's, what's interesting about an e-commerce business is at the end of the, or even a direct consumer business, at the end of the day, it's crazy that it's a simplistic thing. You either get a new customer or you get a customer to buy again. Like that's it, right? Those are basically mm-hmm. the only mm-hmm. options that you have. Yep. And yet the details behind that are so complicated. And what I love, you know, I, and so I think about it as like flying a plane. Um, I'm, I love kind of planes and space. Too. And, all, and, and like you, you, Every time, you know, we haven't got, I haven't gotten on a plane in a while, but when, you know, you're walking on the plane and you're looking in the cockpit and you see all these instruments all over the place and you're just thinking to yourself like thousands of little knobs and dials and like in this, on the ceiling and on the exactly. everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. And you're like, how do they do this? Well, it turns out that when you're flying a plane, there's only six that you look at and they call them the six pack and they're right in the center of the, of, of right behind kind of the, the wheel. And that's what the pilot looks at. 99% of the time. And the only time they use all the other ones is when they go figure out that something is wrong. When one of those ones is off and it's things like, how fast are you going? What's your altitude? Are you going up or down? Like some basics, right? If you're cruising along, there's no need to worry about all the other thousand dials. But when you're not, suddenly those other thousand dials become really important. So that's how I sort of think about, that's how you need to run your business. And so... When you're small, or really for any size, you know, it's about what are the key measures that are the equivalent to that six-pack? And I think about a couple. Uh, traffic, knowing how many people are coming to your site. And we talked about it. Don't use users, use sessions. <laughs> Sales, average order value, units per transaction. And then you know, pick which one you want to do, either a cost per acquisition, a cost per order, or a ROAS. I'm fine with any of those. And maybe your marketing, your total marketing spend. That's all you need to track. Like just, and what I really say to, to smaller brands is spend 15 minutes. You're going to go into your e-commerce site. You're going to go into your marketing platforms. You're going to go into your Google Analytics. Just like copy and paste those numbers into a spreadsheet and do those calculations and track those every day. As you get more sophisticated, you know, you you want to make your life a little bit simpler. And we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec, but you take, you capture those and why it's really important to do it on a daily basis. You're going to get a feel, you're going to get a really good feel for your business. And so, because, well, we know like some days are better than other days in e-commerce, right? It's like retail. Nobody goes to the mall and not, not that tons of people are going to the mall right now, but it, you, you know, it's like Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays were really busy at the mall and Tuesdays, not so much. And if you track it every day, you'll start to understand kind of the natural consumer behavior. So you'll know that, yeah, Wednesdays are always slow for me for whatever reason, maybe because you send an email on Tuesdays and on Thursdays, 
And so you'll get kind of a feeling for how your business. And so when you go and then that one day copy and paste something and you're going to see something and it's going to jump out at you immediately like, whoa, wait a minute, there's something wrong. And it's a, okay, hold on. I got to go look at something and I've got to go look at all those other dials because something happened yesterday. And that's when you go find out like, oh, it turns out that our site saying we're out of inventory and our best-selling product. Oops, you know, maybe, you know, like stuff like that where you want to capture it that same, that next day to know versus letting it run on for days and you're having that uh-oh moment a couple of days later going, wait a minute, why don't we hit our monthly, our monthly sales targets? And you should be able to do that in 10, 15 minutes. So you wake up, you do 10, 15 minutes, you kind of do that and then move on. Everything's great. Move on, go work on other stuff. If not, now you got to dig in because that's the most important thing to kind of keep your, keep your business running. Yeah, um, I love it. So if I heard you correctly, then the, the key to success as an e-commerce entrepreneur, the key to success as a pilot is a good six pack. It's all about yeah. the six pack. Yeah. And, exactly. and I, I would say that a lot of people are probably thinking that's the key to success in 2020. I, I need a six pack to, uh, to help me through the, the, the craziness of 2020. Uh, so I, I fully agree with you. I think this is awesome. You know, getting those, those key metrics because sometimes the minutia, like the little bitty details, you only need that if there's a problem, right? Otherwise you need those key metrics like you're talking about. But what's interesting, and, and we talk to a lot of people that know their numbers inside and out, Occasionally, though, I will be on a conversation with somebody trying to help them with their marketing, and I'll say, "So, what, what's your average order value?" And they'll say something like, "Oh, it just depends. It's you know, kind of here or there." And I'm like, "Well, I know that it depends, but then, like, <laughs> you need to have an average, right? Are you calculating your average? Do you have any idea?" Like, and so that's just an indication that someone doesn't know their numbers. And if you don't know the numbers, if you don't know those core, the core six pack of your numbers, then you won't know when something's off. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. If you're looking at those every day, and it doesn't take a, a, a lot of time you'll get the feel for it and you'll, you'll sense when something is off and then you'll be able to respond quicker, take action quicker, be able to, to dig deeper into those of the other layers of metrics and then, and then make the right decision. So that's awesome. Uh, I want to transition a bit and talk about Dacity, uh, your company. And, uh, and if you have other points you want to throw into what we just talked about, feel free to do that along the way. Um, but you know, the company is, is super cool. I want you to first explain the name to people because that's kind of clever as well. And then talk about why, why you guys formed Dacity and what does Dacity do? Yeah, so, so Dacity, so uh, it stands for data as a service. So we thought of ourselves... Like SaaS, only DAS. Like SaaS, but data DAS, as a service. Exactly. Um, so we thought of ourselves, you know, one of the things going back to, to how the company was really formed based on working with a couple of brands that were having these data problems, it was really clear that as everybody, as e-commerce and direct consumers proliferated this whole digital piece, and even with Amazon, um, more and more people sort of selling their product on Amazon, it's just really hard to get all the data from all these different places, put them together and make decisions. And so I think about one of the merchants that we work with, that we work with where he was spending two hours every day uh, on nine different Amazon sites. Cause you're, if you're around the world, you are in a couple of Amazons, like yep. they don't talk yep. to each other. So you got to go, even if you're selling in the U S you know, it's like, you got to go into your U S one, your Canada one, your Mexico one and download all the data separately and he's spending a couple hours every day in the spreadsheets trying to put together these, you know, this his six pack. 
And so as I thought about that, as these businesses were growing, that's just a lot of time where you as a founder or the owner or a key employee within the organization, you're doing a lot of stuff where it's just kind of make work. Like you're not really driving decisions. You're spending a lot of time just trying to put stuff together. And as your business grows and you add more channels, it becomes more complex. So if I just start off as I'm on Shopify and I do Facebook and Google ads, like maybe it takes me 15 minutes. Now you start going, well, I'm going to be on Pinterest and then I'm going to advertise on Snapchat. And like, it just kind of blows up. Oh, and we're going to start selling on Amazon and... And start selling on Walmart. Walmart's, you know, really taking off and all these other things. Exactly. Super. I think that's super cool that Shopify is connecting to Walmart. And it just becomes more and more complicated. And so at some point, it's like, Either your spreadsheet breaks or you start taking too much time. And that's where... Or you break. (laughs) (laughs) um, That's where I kind of think about, you know, is that what we're doing is we're essentially taking that concept of that spreadsheet and putting it in a data warehouse. And then we're letting you connect all... We're bringing all all the different data. But more than that, we're combining it all. And so we've spent years kind of, how do you combine it all? So how do I do something like, it's not very useful for me to see. We all know if you're on Amazon, you've probably experienced that Amazon SKUs are never what you have elsewhere because they just don't, you know, they just don't like to give you the SKU the name that you want. And so now you have to do all this translation if you're in the spreadsheet. Well, we give you the capability to do that all in one. So you can see your Amazon sales and your Shopify sales all in one, slice and dice by SKU. So I can see how many products are selling on of this product are how many units of this product are selling on Amazon versus Shopify and that's really important because i've maybe got to decide like how much am i going to ship to Amazon for FBA versus how much do i keep in my warehouse for myself and so i kind of think about it as as your business becomes more complex you need the ability to be able to centralize and have one place to view all this data and for you to get out of what i think of this like spreadsheet hell and that's our goal at Dassey's is to really do that because what that then does is it lets you make decisions faster. So instead of spending hours, days, weeks trying to put together the analysis to figure it out, it's there and you're spending your time on decisions and execution, not figuring out, did I pull the right information to make a decision or not? Yep. Is and there an error? Is there an error in the, the formula in this cell? Or did I copy and paste this correctly? Or just, just little things that take up too much brain power. Like save all of your energy and your brain power for the decision-making process. Let something else take care of the details if you can. Exactly. And so that's kind of, yeah. And I'll say the other piece is when you start going to being able to extract the data out of these source systems, we actually end up having the capability of doing things that you could probably never do to do yourself. Going back to what we talked about, lifetime value. It would be really hard to go and slice and, and be able to create the ability to go slice and dice lifetime value by not only your marketing channels, but like when you acquire them. And that's something that we provide in our platform at a box because we it doesn't we're not limited by a million rows in a spreadsheet. We're unlimited. And so there's just things that we're going to be able to provide insight that, you, that you're just not going to have if you try and do it yourself. Yep, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. I got to see a demo uh, with Jeremy and it looks, it's a very impressive uh, set of tools and functionality there. So, so really, really like it. Uh, so Dan, if, if someone is listening to this and they're saying, okay, I love these concepts. I need to get better with my data, make it more actionable. And I want to check out 
Dask a little bit more? How can they learn more, get a demo, that type of thing? Yeah, so you can come check us out at www.dasity.com. That's D-A-A-S-I-T-Y.com. So data is a service. Uh, or just send us a note at info at dasi.com and uh, we are happy to give you a demo, schedule us. You were also in the Shopify store. So go look us up in the Shopify store for you guys that are on the Shopify system. Um, we're super excited about what we've built out building out some new stuff in terms of giving people. So we're going to be doing a, a free product later this year just to give people access to lifetime value because we know awesome. that that is hugely important. So yeah, go go look for us in the Shopify store or reach out to us, visit our website. We're happy to chat. We love helping direct consumer brands. Just absolutely love it. I'm passionate about this. I'm a data nerd, just like you, Brett. Just yeah, love yeah. Helping, helping, helping brands just become successful. It is... The one thing I love about uh, how the world has changed over you know the last couple of years. Yeah, the, that passion comes through for sure. And and I, I like to nerd out about data. You're next level though, man. So so tip my hat to you. Uh, this has been extremely valuable. We'll definitely link to everything in the show notes when that free tool comes out. We'll also uh, make sure people are aware of that. Link to that in the show notes. We'll kind of do an update at that point uh, as well. And so. Really good stuff, Dan. I know people are going to leave this podcast smarter, hopefully energized, motivated to get out there and make make their data better and make it more actual. So really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it as well. Yep, absolutely. As always, we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. What would you like to hear more of? Give us some show ideas. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. If you've not done it already, we would love that five-star review on iTunes makes my day. Uh, it also allows other people to discover the show. And hey, share this episode. If you know someone that needs to get a better handle on their data or someone on your team that needs to listen to this, share this episode. I think it'll be really, really useful. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, that's a wrap. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.